Warning! The Bone Bad Joe is intended for adults only and contains bad words and other yucky stuff that may make some people very angry. So watch out! Welcome to the 8th Bone Bat Comedy of Horrors Film Festival. episode 165 of the bone bat show this is steve and this is gord how's it going man how does it sound like it's going steve you sound terrible i've got the mongolian death flu yeah yeah i should have never left seattle i went up there everything was great i come back 
but I'm stuck on a plane with some diseased children. They shouldn't let diseased children on planes. That's what I'm saying. And now I got their disease, which is somewhat less than awesome. You shouldn't lick that little table that so, folds down from the seat in front of you either. It's always a terrible... Oh, but it always tastes so good. It's always like a veritable cornucopia of flavors. It's like one of those Willy Wonka uh, things. You don't know what flavor it's going to be. You just keep licking and it's different flavors. The, God, I love those. The kid's snot tastes like kid's snot. Oh, delicious kid's snot. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. I'm here, and our audience is going to be subjected to listening to what sounds like an 80-year-old smoker for the duration of the show. You think you hate it. Imagine how I feel. Back in the day when you had a film festival. In my day. You kids, you don't know how good you have it. I would normally slip into my, my you know, caricature of the 80-year-old smoker, but I don't think I can even do it in the, this. I'm going to try it right now. You know what I Nope. Nope, not happening. Yeah, you don't even need to do that. Yeah, no, I'm just going to do this. Just do my normal Gordon thing. Well, what sounds But I've got a nice big cup of whatever the crap this is, and it's warm. We'll, we'll go forward. You're not supposed to drink out of the neti pot, dude. Just saying. Wait, even after you used it? Ugh. It's horrible. So, uh, what sounds better than Gord, of course, is Devilwood Live from the 2018 Comedy of Horrors Film Fest. That's what you're listening to right now. And we're going to have a bunch more great live music from the band coming up throughout the show. As well as we're going to announce our Viewer's Choice Award winners. You know, we should probably do that right now before we get to the interviews. Yeah, I guess it would make sense for people that they know what they're listening to. Let's do it. That's right. Okay, well, uh, first off, the winner of the Viewer's Choice Award for Best Animated Short is Aram Sarkeesian for the film Winston, a fantastic piece of animation that was very well loved by our audience. Yeah, what else won, Steve? Uh, Next up, the Viewer's Choice Award for Pacific Northwest Short is Justin Robert Vinall's Emiko. The Viewer's Choice Award for Best Live Action Short goes to Clarissa Jacobson Productions and Director Josh Logan for Lunch Ladies, which was a wonderful film. Love that film. Finally, the Bone Bat Jumbo Bonus Jury Award goes to Chris McEnroy of We Summoned a Demon. He, uh, previously, we screened at this fest Bad Guy Number 2 and Death Metal. A lot of great stuff from him. We're thrilled to give him the award. He's going to get a trophy. And additionally, he is going to get $100 tacked onto that to put cash money that's right so yeah uh, congratulations to all our winners you know the gourd back to devilwood all right put on just an amazing performance at this year's film fest didn't you think oh yeah they knocked it out of the park that was uh that was amazing They, they did such a great job it was so much fun to listen to them and to watch them play they were bananas they really were and uh it was just kind of neat that we had never really heard of them before we stumbled across them, and it worked out so wonderfully well. Uh, the audience loved them. I think they really enjoyed being there, and a good time was had by all. It was pretty darn cool. Yeah, I think that may have been the most people we've had, like, digging into the band at the same time, maybe for any of our shows. I don't know. It's hard to tell, though. The audience is often pretty uh, packed in the house when we have the uh, music. Absolutely. All right, so uh, we're going to have a bunch of interviews coming up here, but before we do that, uh, Gord, what pisses you off, man? 
Steve, let me tell you, it's going to come as a shock to you, but my what pisses me off this week is going to be illness-related. <laughs> yeah, so I went to the store to try to buy some anti-booger medicine because I have a lot of boogers that are happening. And it was really tough to buy anti-booger medicine unless you also want to buy anti-booger medicine that has acetaminophen in it. Acetaminophen is like the cranberry juice of the medicine world. It's in fucking everything. You can't, I just like, if you want, if you want to get straight up anti-booger medicine, you got to go to the counter, like stand in line be, behind all the people that are getting drugs for their horrible things that they've been prescribed. And then you got to ask special. You're like, hey, can I get something? I got boogers, but I don't want to see the menopin. That's like the only fucking way. And then it's like, they got to open up a special room or something. I don't even know. They went to the back. They came back with a bag. They looked around like, okay, don't tell anyone basic CVS generic it should not be that difficult to get an over-the-counter medication just because you could turn it into meth I thought briefly about buying meth and then distilling <laughs> it back down bring it the other way yeah just go the other way just so I can like take care of these boogers that are filling my head that pisses me off it should be a lot easier to get that meth wrecks everything as if my life wasn't bad enough, I went from the CVS store with their secret anti-booger medicine to the sandwich store. You know, I'm ill, I'm not 100%. <clears throat> and I ordered a sandwich thinking in my head I was just gonna get a yummy sandwich to eat, but I failed in my order. I did not say and hold the mayo because mayo is disgusting, horrifying stuff to me. I realize that you eat it. But, you know, I'd rather eat a bucket of dehydrated dog butts. <laughs> and I get my sandwich home and I start to eat it. And yeah, sure enough, fucking mayo. I did not say hold the mayo. <laughs> and I realized going full circle, that was actually a movie that we showed. In one of our first film festivals. A great movie. Didn't even do that on purpose. Yeah, if I would have had a saw, I would have had to, like, saw my own arm off for not remembering. <laughs> to get your hand out from underneath the sandwich? Yeah. Oh, my God. Why do you, Why? I don't know. Why do you like mayonnaise, Steve? That's an awful because thing. it's delicious. It adds just a little hint of creaminess to your burger or your tuna salad sandwich. No, it adds just a hint of dog butthole. No, it, it does not. You you eat weird stuff, though. You you like things very dry and very bland and... No, I like them sour. I like them hot and spicy. Yeah, I don't, know. I don't like them like You're like weird. a mayozy, <laughs> gooey. Anyway, what about you, Steve? You know what, what pisses me pisses, off? So what? we're gonna we're gonna come back to something. I think I've bitched about before. So you know, probably how we've done enough shows. They've got these companies that you it, back when we went to high school. The school had a thing where you could take driver's ed, right? Yeah, and you get some underemployed guy that like had a nineteen like sixty-eight Impala and one arm and he was looking for some beer money and so he started driving school through the school. Right, and through the school. He, he, he had that one car that had the brake pedal on both sides. Right. That he probably installed <laughs> which, himself. Which was really the only thing you needed to have a driving school back then. So yeah. anyway, so these driving schools are all the rage now. And I think I bitched about this before. For some reason, Three separate driving schools in Redmond all use our street to run their lessons on. And they keep using 
our cars as a place to practice, essentially. Now, as you know, I'm pretty goddamn sensitive about my vehicles now, having yeah. seen them wrecked and wrecked and wrecked and wrecked and wrecked. So, because of that, I, I have a hair trigger with these assholes. And it happens all the time. At first, it started out politely. Excuse me, can you please not use our vehicles to test? Okay, uh, I'm sorry, sir. But then it just keeps happening, happening, and happening, and happening. And you saw me in action the morning before the film festival. We're loading the cars, and this guy pulls up and starts, like, doing, you know, parallel parking behind my daughter's car. And, Steve, I've known you many decades now. Yes, you have. I don't think I've ever, I literally, I'm serious, I don't think I've ever seen you lose your shit that fast ever <laughs> right everything was like you're a little bit stressed because it was film festival but everything was fine and you were like you were gonna gut somebody <laughs> well, nobody told me sir listen i've told your company i've called and left messages with your company i don't care you guys don't have an excuse don't use these cars anymore for your test okay 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 so he drives off but here's the problem my son starts driving school next week at this very same school that I just pitched out last week. I think you got to own it. They know it's you. When your son starts, you need to like walk up and like get right in the driver's face and go, and I don't want to see you here practicing on that car across the street. <laughs> just give him the old hairy eyeball. You know, I just, I know it's going to happen that, that my son is going to be pulling up parallel parking behind his sister's car and he's going to think it's hilarious. And I, I don't know that I can say anything about it. I think it's just, yeah, gonna... no, you need to throw pine cones at the car, act like you don't even know <laughs> for anybody next, in it for the next five weeks or whatever. I have to let him do their thing before I sour the pool once again and, and go scorched earth on these driving lesson assholes. You need to be full on crazy man. You need to like keep a broom and a bucket of pine cones by the front door. And when you see them, you just run up, grab either item, whatever feels right at that moment. And you just like either start hucking pine cones at the windshield and see, screaming. That's, that's like vandalism. You can't do that. Plus, ah, it's pine these, cones. Guys are, it's not gonna... these guys are former police. That's their whole shtick is. Oh, the driving that's, schools run by former police, so I don't really want to get into it. That's very different than the uh, yeah uh, the driving than, school we went other to. Other than hey, there's five million streets around here with five million cars. Go do that shit somewhere else. That's about as far as I want to go. Yeah, that definitely puts a twist into it, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Anyway, that's what pisses me off this week. So, dude, should we listen to a tune? Yeah, let's listen to a tune. Why don't we uh, listen to a live cut from Devil Wood from this year's Bone Bat Film Fest? This is I've Got Demons of My Own. <laughs>
Geeks, we are back, and joining us now, we are thrilled to have on the show the director of Winston, Aram Sarkeesian. How you doing, man? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks so much for joining thanks us on the for show. That, uh, thanks for that amazing film you did. That was a great piece of animation. Steve and I both loved it, and the crowd loved it as well. As a matter of fact, the well, reason... Well, thank you. Thank you very much. The reason we wanted to have you on the show is Winston was voted by our audience as the Viewer's Choice Award winner for Best Animated Short. So, congratulations. Yeah, thank you very much. Thank you. It's a great honor. You know, it means a lot. So, so, I'm glad you guys liked it. So, tell us a little bit about how you decided to make Winston. Uh, we were kind of describing it as uh, Edgar Allan poetry when we were first viewing the film and that really stuck with us was that one of your main influences yeah of course uh telltale heart we read it um like seventh grade and then every two years it would come up in like school i we, we had to write an essay or you know so that story kept following me and i kind of liked the atmosphere of it like the obsession of the main character mm-hmm. and my final year of cal arts at the school i graduated my thesis film i always wanted to do a dark psychological kind of film and that subject matter was perfect i was like i want i wanted to do a crime related stuff and then later on i brought kind of the edgar Allan poe atmosphere into it so so yeah that's that's how i kind of it merged with edgar Allan poe a bit well i really like the juxtaposition of the kind of dark content with the absolutely beautiful animation the scenery the owl there's just a lot of amazing-looking stuff in the film itself. No, thank you very much. The owl, I, uh, my favorite bird is a snowy white owl, and I animated that even before I made the film because oh, really? I just wanted to have an owl in there. So, yeah. <laughs> so it, it, and I found a way to fit it into a story, and then, you know, but I just did it because, I don't know, I made the film, and I wanted to put whatever I liked into the film. I like snow and, you know. Forest and and and, and out. So I just put whatever I wanted, you know, in a, in a film. <laughs> Very nice. I thought it was really cool that uh, the owl had blood in its feathers. You know, usually when someone's depicting an owl, you just you don't see it as the as the really awesome predator that it is. Mm. But uh, I like the way that you showed that thing is fierce. Yeah, thank you. You have a story. You've got a God, boy. I sound terrible. I'm sorry. And speaking of sounding. You have a, a dialogue which slowly builds in intensity throughout the entire film, and it, it constantly yeah. builds. Was it really tough to work with uh, the person doing the voiceover? How did you make it happen so you had that constant, constant build? There was never really, a, it never really backed off. It just kept growing. Yeah, dialogue, I wanted to start up fast, even from the beginning. So it puts the audience into his mind right after. But I didn't want to start slow and then slowly build up. So we would just jump into his mindset right off the bat, you know, because he was already crazy when the story starts, you know. <laughs> and yeah. uh, voice actor is, is a is an actor from my school. Uh, he's 22 years old. His name is Matt what? Kelly. No way. And, yeah, he's, he's <laughs> that's that's yeah, not yeah, a 22 year old's voice. Take it from Gord. He should know. Yeah, I know. I know. He's like he's like you know he, yeah. he, he's like Orson Welles, but he's, <laughs> he's um and he was amazing. Yeah, I recorded lie. him rough, so I did. Uh, I don't know, 11 drafts of the script. He was like, I had to cut it down. Our limit for fourth years is seven minutes long. So I had to keep cutting it down and rough, like recording with my cell phone, his, his, you know, his, his acting. So I could time it out an animatic to it and keep going back and forth until 
the final recording we did was like the 11th draft, so I could actually start animating to the uh, final recording. But in terms of the timing, yeah, he had to, I had to keep him tense and, and, and kind of, it would, he would go crazier and stuff. But I had to put some pauses in there with like the owl and then he would get kind of quiet when he approaches the house. So it was a, it would create a contrast. Yeah, sure. But for the most part, yeah, you had to be very, very intense. One of the other things that Gordon and I really appreciated about the film is very early on, you're given the thought that the narrator is unreliable. It's the very first thing he says. Yeah. Is, well, I was out, I was out collecting firewood, but you see, he's clearly <laughs> shoveling snow. So from the from the word yeah. go, yeah. you know that that what he's saying to you is maybe not quite true. Yeah, I think uh, you know, I'm glad he noticed that. Yeah, it was. Um, yeah, I try to create, and even when he says, you know, Gary was. Um, giving me a stare but he's actually staring at Gary and stuff like that yeah right um, throughout the script <laughs> well man I just have to say it's an absolutely brilliant short and you know you Cal Arts folks are killing it because uh, two years ago uh, there was a film called Dinosaur by another one of the alumnus there Ning Chen who won this very award so uh, Cal Arts is very oh, yeah, well of course, yeah she's my classmate I remember yeah that was a really <laughs> like uh, she just made a new one it's a comedy just just released a couple of days ago very cool i'll have to look that up but yeah you guys are oh i'll have to look for it you guys are definitely representing the school well so thank you very much for sharing (laughs) your amazing work with us uh what's next for you aram are you working on a new project yeah i'm writing um on my on my free time i'm writing uh my next film i have the rough idea down but um i have to find time to come i want to really want to make this um the next short film and it's more of a not as scary as Winston, but it, it has like um, Coraline-ish kind of creepiness to it. Um, oh, nice. It has to do with like a kid, kid main character, so. <laughs> well, you know. Definitely keep us informed, <laughs> because we like the creepy stuff. Yeah, of course, of course. All right. Well, thank you again for joining us on the show, and congratulations again on the big win. Yeah, thank you very much.
Hello, my name is Aram Sarkisian. I'm the director of an animated short film called Winston, and this is Bombat Show. All right, we are back, and joining us now on the show, uh, none other than Justin Robert Vinall of the film Emiko. How you doing, man? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's our pleasure. So uh, the reason, actually, that we called you here is that Emiko was voted by our audience as the winner of the Viewer's Choice Award for Best Pacific Northwest Short from the 2018 Comedy of Horrors Film Fest. So congratulations, man. Oh, well, thank you so much. That really means a lot. I'm really, I'm really happy that um, everyone enjoyed it. Yeah, no, this is based on the audience vote, so don't thank us. Thank the audience. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. Thank, thank, thanks to everyone who came up. The, I mean, like, like the, the nice thing about like the content that you guys put on that screen is that the audience involvement and just the audience kind of like response is so strong that it was. It's really nice to be recognized by uh, not only you guys but by the audience. So yeah, so thank you so much to everyone who voted for Emmy Comb and um, and selected that as um, the Northwest short. Yeah, oh, absolutely. So tell us a little bit about how Emiko came to be. Um, Emiko kind of came from a place of rage. At the time, I was in the middle of making another horror short film, but that ended up um, falling through due to some kind of unforeseen um, circumstances. So I used up kind of all that pent-up energy of, like, you know, spending months and months prepping this film that I was like, I'm going to try to make something that's going to be, like, badass and better and try to make it better than what I was trying to make. And at that same time, I was um, delving more into um, uh, Japanese horror, specifically from from just that culture, where it's like I was looking at um, a silent horror film from Japan called A Page from Madness from the 1920s to like Takashi Miike's uh, Audition and Dark Water, The Ring, and I was just looking into more of those Japanese films, and I found the uh, storytelling to be far more interesting and haunting and more personal and i just want to kind of like pay homage to that um genre and to that type of storytelling from that culture in um emiko and it kind of came from that so it came from the both a place of rage and a place of inspiration so there's that Hmm, interesting well one of the things i'm enjoying about what you're doing is that you know as creators of a film festival we see a lot of tropes so you see the werewolf films and the vampire films and ghost stories and zombies Mm -hmm. but you seem to be sort of staking out a different sort of ground with such a pretty face that's a different kind of concept that was almost like a similar to an outer limits episode and with emiko you have this Mm. sort of a a possession kind of a, a different type of deal a parasite if you will type of a story which is Mm -hmm. also different from some of the tropes we've been seeing so i like that you're doing something a little different than what we're seeing normally in the film marketplace right now yeah i think it's important to like um take something that's familiar but like add a spin to it and i think um a lot of that just comes from like you know like taking inspiration from like i love the twilight zone and and there's like the black mirror like horror anthology shows that are like really um, deep thinking and and critical and like thematically like relevant and I find with those type of stories I'm more interested in kind of the more tragedy and ego of a person and I think Emiko has the embodiment of um, certain elements that make it feel more human than than 
a lot of other um, tropey horror films that you see nowadays. But I, right now we're living in a, in a horror renaissance, so it's like it's it, the horror films that we're getting now are far better than what we were getting from like the 2000s generally. I didn't really even think of Japanese horror when when I was watching your film. So to think about it from that angle is kind of cool. It was such a creepy, creepy scene when he was in the basement looking at the red dress. I was I was very, very uncomfortable. I'm not sure if that's much of a question, but it's more of a comment on how <laughs> you did a great job with one guy in one dress hanging up on a hanger, and it made me go, <laughs> Well, it's, 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 I'm glad, because like, when we wrote that scene, I was like, I hope we can convey this well with the audience. And when we filmed it, it ended up like, really everyone was uncomfortable with it because like just the... The, the nature of the scene and how like like where um, our lead character uh, Thomas's mind was at it makes it like I think just psychologically really like without any like blood or gore but a little bit of throw up at the end you're able to add some kind of like uncomfortable tension and get some like like uncomfortable laughter from it and I, I, I love that scene I think that scene is one of my favorite scenes that I've made uh, in one of my um, own works and I think it it's effective and I'm happy that people get a very uh vivid response to it <laughs> absolutely yeah one of the one of the things steve and i were talking about today when we were talking about your film is and maybe you can tell us which one of us is wrong here but i'm saying that there was a like a curse like an almost an entity that she put into him it's almost like the curse being a living thing in that stephen king book thinner that it wasn't just words, but it was a it was an actual entity, and, and Steve did not agree with me at that. So, so tell me, am I wrong? <laughs> oh, well, I want to hear Steve's uh, side on that. Uh, my my thought that she was sort of a psychic vampire that she was sucking away his life as essence, but in the end, she ended up devouring him for reals. Yeah. So, um. Emiko, the, the, the character, has this kind of like succubus kind of um, quality about her. So she she is uh, partially inspired by the ghost spirit Yukiona from uh, Japanese um, folklore. And when I was writing the script for it, it is implied more that um, she is poisoning him. So when we have that bathroom scene, she infects him pretty much, transferring over her, her illness to to him to weaken him so that she can regain strength and devour him and um, be uh, human again, I guess is how I would put it. Um, yeah, it's more about a tactic to poison uh, a prey and then um, attack it at its weakest and also kind of show its most heinous acts. Like for So like the character of Thomas appears as someone that's very human and caring and nice but there's something going on underneath and once she infects him you're getting more of a sense of who the real monster is and that she may be a physical monster but he is like truly the monster um in this story right well and there's also as gordon pointed out in our discussions that there is the feeling that he's very much older than she is so there's that whole creepy dynamic yeah. as well yeah and that like adds to like the uh, intensity with the dress scene is you look at um, Thomas and you're like, he seems like an okay dude, but you know, once things get moving and he sees the picture of Emiko and um, the way he kind of talks to her later in the film, it's very, you know, it, it's, he's got some ulterior motives that are uh, far more um, devious. 
Yeah, he's he's definitely a sinister character. But we loved your film, and film's got a lot of heuristic value. I like that. You can really think about it afterwards. And it raises questions, and, and it's it's one of those things that's fun to explore in your mind afterwards. It, it sticks with you, for sure. Oh, good, because like, that's the one thing, is like hoping that mo- people can walk away with this movie and kind of have it like, kind of rest on their mind, and then on... Uh, you know repeat viewings they might be able to catch like different like knowing what becomes of emiko they they there's different intentions that people could see with uh, certain characters and probably get more out of it um on rewatches and that's like the the hope i can i hope i can get for um people watching my work especially emiko and pretty face in particular so is Emi- is Emiko available for people to watch yet, or is it still in the festival circuit? Not yet. It's still in the festival circuit. Okay. We're hoping to release it, and I think we're most likely going to release it in October. Um, Fantastic. Right around Halloween time. But, um, yeah, so it'll be online to watch um, there. Well, one place you can watch it will be at Crypticon 2018 on May 5th during the Best of Bone Bat Block. And Justin, uh, if you will join us at the end, uh, it would be my pleasure to award you your trophy. I would love to be there. And again, thank you and to the audience for um, allowing me to be part of uh, Bone Bat history. (laughs) My pleasure, man. So what are you working on next? Currently, um, I am working on a science fiction horror called uh, Tossed Aside Like Yesterday. And it's about... um, uh, this aging mother who's had a successful life as a, a book author, and um, she's getting to the point where she's you know ready to pass on, um, and is finishing her last book um, before she does. And on the night of her birthday, her daughter presents to her a, a version of herself, a clone from when uh, she was in her thirties to when the daughter was a young girl, and. The aging mother uh, watches as she becomes um, background noise and fades away from existence as people are drawn more to the younger, more beautiful, and um, nostalgic clone. And um, that'll be starring uh, Lisa Coronado, and um, we'll be aiming to film that in hopefully uh, fall of this year. Fantastic. I look forward to seeing it, man. Yeah, wow. That sounds uh, that sounds really sad. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's gonna, it's gonna. This one's gonna be, uh, is gonna be pretty tragic, I think. But I'm very excited about it, and I think it's gonna be, uh, it's gonna be a good one. All right. Well, one question we always ask all of our guests here on the show, Justin: What pisses you off, man? Oh man, so there was like a week I was in the theater where people were just like disrespecting the space of a movie theater, and. I find that there is like a unquestionable contract that's made as soon as you enter a movie theater and that's like sitting down and being engaged with the theater and I was watching a movie and during like one of the like the emotional climaxes of the film I look over and someone's on their phone on eBay looking at different purses oh my and God, this is like going brutal. on for like 5 minutes oh my and God. I was like I like it's a first world problem but like it's just like you can't focus on like one thing and like just be engaged with the story and that just it just drives me nuts and i just i just lose my mind every time i watch someone just hop on their phone but especially in that in that kind of case where it's like it's for a long period of time and they're just looking at different purses and i'm just like really that's like you want to not be involved with these characters and the story on screen and like find out which purse would go 
well with your next like uh, coffee date with someone. I mean, it's like <laughs> it's 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 frustrating. It's <laughs> I got go into a whole rant, but it's frustrating <laughs> when the people when people treat movie theater like your living room. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's it's uh, it's awful. <laughs> yeah, it, it should be. Yeah, that, I totally that agree. That experience with you. should be elevated. I agree. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it bugs me just absolutely cross-eyed when someone turns their phone on in the theater because they need to whatever. I don't care what it is. If you're a if you're a surgeon and you're expecting an emergency call, then get the call and get the fuck out. Otherwise, leave your phone <laughs> yeah. off. Yeah, I mean it's just it's just the it's just the lack of um, awareness and just respect for a space that is normally just where you're just watch you're sitting and watching and experiencing together, and that's just. A, that's just one thing that just that just drives me nuts. I mean, I was at Book of Mormon at uh, when they were here in Seattle, and uh, we were right dab in the middle. And some guy next to me during one of the dance numbers just pulled out his phone, and I'm like, "You can't do that in an actual like like <laughs> theater. Like that's drives that, that that's insane. Like at the Paramount, like who does that? So it's like it's it's insane to me, and it drives me nuts. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You feel like an usher should come and slap him in the back of the head or something. Like there should be yeah. some sort of yeah. recourse. Yeah. <laughs> because it also, you know, would, takes I, I, away I, from your experience. Like you know that she was looking yeah. at purses. You didn't want to donate yeah. that mental energy. Yeah, no, I like I lose all kind of engagement with with such a powerful emotional moment in the movie and then I'm looking over and I'm like, well, there goes the moments. And this movie is like, it's great, but I'm going to remember that part a lot now. So, yeah. <laughs> All right. Wow. Well, well stated, man. Well, thank you again for sharing <laughs> Emiko with us for the 2018 Comedy Forest Film Festival. And congratulations again on the big win. Of course. And thank you so much for allowing us to play um, at your festival. Uh, again, like the content is amazing and um, I really enjoyed being part of it, and um, just to say, I, I like I, I can't stop thinking and praising enough um, <laughs> Viola versus the Vampire King. It's, um, it's that was one of the, like the, the funniest, best uh, shorts I saw there, and it's like it's, it's it was incredible to watch, and I just had a blast watching that and all the other amazing um, shorts and the features that were playing there as well. Oh, thank you so much, man, and. Uh... We will see yeah, thank you, you on May 5th for the award. And I'll be there. Thank you again so much.
Justin Robert Vinal, the director of Emico, and you're listening to the Bone Bat Show. All right. Once again, thanks to Justin for joining us on the show, and congratulations for winning the Pacific Northwest Viewer's Choice Award. Uh, we will be awarding that actual statue during the Best of Bone Bat screening at Crypticon Seattle, which takes place on May 5th at 5 p.m. So, uh, if you want to revisit your favorite Bone Bat shorts, or if you miss this year's fest and you want to see what the fuss is about, please join us at Crypticon for that screening, and uh, you'll get to see Justin get his award. How cool is that? That's awesome. So, uh, dude, what were some of your favorite moments from this year's fest? Well, it was really a lot of fun to see people laughing at things that I laughed at, but, like, you know, as a big group. Yes. It's, it's always it's always. I don't know. I kind of worry a little bit when something is about to happen that makes me laugh. I like worry that no one else is going to laugh and it will reaffirm that, you know, I'm a messed up human being and probably not meant for society at large. But then like my peeps laugh and that, that makes me very, very happy. Yeah. It's interesting because there's a, you know, it's fun when a film that you expected to be great plays great. And it's also fun when, like the laughs come at different times or people interpret a film slightly different or people read it a little different. That's fun too, because you're, you're seeing the film that you've experienced most often on a computer screen on a big screen through different eyes. And it gives you a different perspective on the shorts. And that's really cool too. Yeah. And you know, I missed, I missed one film, uh, pull, which was a very <laughs> short is easy film. To miss. It's only 15 yeah. seconds long. And I was worried the crowd wasn't going to dig it. So, like, I when I realized I miss it, I, like, grabbed the first person near me. I'm like, hey, did people laugh when Pole played? And like, oh, yeah, people laughed. So, yeah, cool. <laughs> nice, yeah. And uh, that was from Todd Rudinius, who had two shorts in this year's fest, both Pole and uh, Attack of the Handface People. Which also played really well. You know, I, we kind of touched on it before, but one of the things I really dug was how the band played. They they were like at a slightly higher level than I even expected. It was it was really a lot of fun to see a really a really unusual set. You know, there, not a lot of people play a set in front of a, a theater crowd of people sitting down, and they they absolutely rocked it. I I love that. I also love the fact that when we showed uh, Termite Ator, <laughs> people laughed instead of like walking out and shaking their heads and <laughs> asking us what the hell is wrong with us anyway. Now, the, the thing that, that probably a lot of people don't know about us is that Gordon and I like a lot of the same things, but we have really kind of different tastes. And... The, the more cerebral, thinky type of things Gordon goes for. Something that makes you, like, have a, a crisis of your soul. That's Gordon <laughs> type of thing. Gallons of blood, jizz, and vomit. 
that's where I'm coming from. <laughs> and Termitator is the perfect example of just the kind of cinema that I love. It's grimy and gritty and gruesome and gory and hilarious and over the top. And it's so much fun to, to be able to play a film like that and have the audience just go apeshit. And one of the things for us that's also fun is the way we program it like a mixtape. So there comes a time in the evening where we think the audience needs to be woken up a little bit. Termitator. <laughs> it was also a blast to show, you know, kind of the other uh, end of the, the spectrum. It was a blast to show Mouse. Yeah. Because that was that was horror, like real life horror. And it was fun to be in a theater with a couple hundred people, all of whom were going Oh my God! And they were like, tr they were like trying to protect their own mouth, trying to protect their face, putting their hands up, like trying to put something between them and the screen. <clears throat> it was that. That was a fun. I like to affect people. I like to get a reaction. And hey, what do you know? Got a reaction. Yeah, and and the fourth block traditionally we kind of see that as the what the fuck block as it is. So you also had something like BFF girls. In that block yeah. as well, from the the always awesome Brian Lanano. This is the director who did Crowhand. This is the director who did William, one of the most disturbing shorts <laughs> we've ever showed at the film festival. And his new one, BFF Girls, which is this this crazy <coughs> teenage girl becoming a woman, menstruation, anime, insanity of a film. More people, I think, came out quoting Fabuloso Doom after that block than any other short, I think. Yeah, there there was the most post-film conversation after that film than <laughs> any other. That's right, yeah. Right, but you know what? It's interesting. A lot of the early stuff, though, was really fun, too. She's All Wet, one of your favorites, which got just a great response. That one was mentioned in all the reviews I've heard so far. Uh, uh, Tim Hall, the People's Critic from the PI, uh, he was on a podcast last week, the... Uh, about to review podcast and he called that one out as uh, did uh, Brent from The Last Thing I See also called out that film so uh, that was one that stuck in people's minds as being pretty cool yeah well that's because it was <clears throat> and uh, two of my other favorites that you know played well uh, Inside the House from Daisy Dukes Films which is just this kind of very short uh, misdirection super fun and uh, Seven Minutes which that that movie's just a blast. I love that short. Animation-wise, Less Than Human, man. Takes place in Seattle. It's got a character in it named Steve. Could you get much more appropriate for us? And animated Pixar-level zombies. Very cool stuff. With some feels, even. Even had some feels. There's a lot of movies with feels. Uh, Egg, Zombies, and Bacon is maybe the most feels we've ever had in a short in our film festival. Yeah, I actually found myself like almost tearing up. That was that's just such a such a sweet film. And it came in like third in live action voting. It did really well with the audience. So that was fantastic. So yeah, we had a wonderful time showing our audience these films and uh, the response was great and we're looking forward to doing it again. Speaking of Termitator, for a mere $20 Canadian, you can buy a DVD of that film. Did you know that? I didn't know that, but that's $20 well spent. Yes, I think so. And $20 Canadian, so that's like $15 American. That's right. like $20. That's a good deal. 
Also, it was awesome to have Zoran Gavoyic join us again at the fest. Yeah, that's always fun. We played uh, two of his shorts this year, Count Calcula and uh, the Phantom Physicist of the Opera. Did you notice at the end of Phantom Physicist of the Opera how Count Calcula and all the other characters from the Monsters of Science were in the theater? I did notice that, yes. That was a pretty cool kind of shout-out to the whole series of films. and It was it was a nice little send-off, yeah. It was. It was a good way to send it off in style here at the Comedy of Horrors. Oh, well, you know what? I would be remiss to not mention the features. You would be remiss. It, it was a lot of fun to show uh, another wolf cop to the audience. It was a lot of fun to find out the secret behind the last scene, too, by having the director there. Yeah, it was fantastic. We had uh, Lowell Dean, the director of Another Wolf Cop, and Emerson Ziffel, who did the effects. And it was fantastic to have them do a Q&A for our audience, uh, as well as Jerry Cooch was in the audience. And in the, the movie. One of the extras uh, from the Bone Bat Film Festival who uh, joined in on the Indiegogo. It was really cool to be able to screen it for him, too, so... Uh, but that wasn't the only feature we showed. That's right. We saw Double Date. We showed Double Date. We were Double Date. I don't know. Double <laughs> Date. And people love that, too. From the UK, uh, you heard the interviews last episode uh, with the director and the writer. That was super fun, everybody. And more people stayed for the entire duration this fest than I think has ever happened before. Because, I mean, it's a long day. 11 and a half hours of entertainment. You have some people who are there for, you know, the first half, some people who come for the second half, but the place was still full when the lights came up after Double Date, and that was really cool. Yeah, it was. Um, people loved the fight. The fight scene played so well. <laughs> right, yeah, that was amazing. There was this incredible They Live-esque fight scene towards the end of Double Date, and it's really cool. Now, Double Date has not really made the rounds yet. Uh, it's only played twice in the United States, so keep an eye peeled because maybe there'll be a VOD release this summer or something, but it's definitely worth your time. If you're a fan of horror comedy, you've got to check out Double Date. It's super fun. Yeah, absolutely. All right, well, uh, why don't we listen to another tune and uh, we'll come back with uh, a very brief multimedia triage and get the hell out of here. Sounds good. Back fully instrumented this time. <laughs> How y'all doing?
right, we are back and we are thrilled to add to the conversation Clarissa Jacobson and Josh Logan, the creators of the film Lunch Ladies. How are you guys doing tonight? Great. Fantastic. I'm, I'm jet lagging from getting back from oh. Amsterdam, which was awesome, but I'm super, yeah, I feel, I feel good. What, <laughs> what, what time is it for you right now, Clarissa? You were, you were in Amsterdam on 420, is that correct? Okay, here's what's crazy. Is Lunch Ladies played on 420? And nobody in Amsterdam knows what that is. That's like strictly <laughs> oh an American God. thing. <laughs> and I was like, perfect. It's perfect. Oh my God. <laughs> we are we are happy you are satisfied. Yeah, we played on 420 at 520 in Amsterdam. <laughs> nice. nice. <laughs> well, it's, congratulations on the, all this success, obviously coming back from Amsterdam with lunch ladies. And well, we're just going to add to it. Uh, at the 2018 Comedy of Horrors Film Festival, our audience voted Lunch Ladies the Viewer's Choice Award for Best Live Action Short. So congratulations. Oh, my God. Awesome. Uh, Bravo. That is so cool. Oh, that's so sweet. Yeah, oh, thank you, guys. Well-deserved. Thanks, guys. You know, rarely is there, because as far as we know, we're the only comedy horror film festival dedicated in the world. And rarely do you have a film so perfect for a film festival. (laughs) (laughs) Someone's like, it's like they made this film. And I remember Josh told me about, he was like, you should, there's this fest called Bone Bat. You should enter that. It's a comedy, (laughs) kind of like a comedy horror fest. Perfect. Yeah. So yes, our audience loved the film. Indeed. Lots of screams, lots of laughs. It was just absolutely the best. Tell us a little bit about the making of the film. How'd you guys get the idea and bring it to fruition? Well, I I um, came up with the idea. I didn't know Josh before Lunch Ladies. I wrote the feature first several years ago. I the lead in it, Donna Peroni, is a friend of mine, and um, she is she was upset because she'd always go on these auditions and she'd always be up against this other lady. They were the same type, and she said, "God, you know, I really like her, but it's always competitive. She always gets a part, or I always get the part, and I just wish there was a movie about Lunch Ladies." And so then that, <laughs> and I was like, "Oh my God, Lunch Ladies!" and and I don't know where I came up with it, but I was like, probably because Sweeney Todd's my favorite musical. And sure. I was like, I'm going to write a film about lunch ladies and have a, yeah, a Sweeney Todd spoof. And, you know, everybody does Sweeney Todd spoofs. So, you know, what I think I'll do is I'll just wink at it. Like, why not they get the idea because they're obsessed Johnny Depp fans? <laughs> so, I don't know. It was really crazy. I told my teacher I was going to write it. And he's like, oh, this is going to be either the worst thing I've ever read or like really awesome. <laughs> so, I did that. Oh, no. This is like the... This is the being John Malkovich of horror comedies. What this is. <laughs> wow. Oh, my God. That's, oh, that's that, awesome. That's then I just, Thank you. I, I finished the feature, and then I sent it out, and people would be like, it's really funny, but, like, is there actually people who would want to see this? And I was like, you know what? I'm going to make a short of it. And it's a long story about how I found Josh, but um, basically I had a director before him that I found that was, like, told me nobody wanted to see two women leads. And then... I found Josh, and it was just like the. Oh, per- oh, wait, wait, excuse me. I'm gonna have to cut in, but fuck that guy. Dude, you have no idea. He told me everything I could do. He was like, "You'll never find anyone to score it. You'll never find actors. You'll never find this." And you know, he had me write a whole nother short, which was the first one that I sent to Josh. And and Josh read that. I, I didn't know Josh was recommended to two two people that I knew from LinkedIn. It's a crazy story. Like, you never meet anybody LinkedIn, in LinkedIn. Of That's all how I met Josh. Wow. LinkedIn. Wow. Yeah. And so Josh said, well, okay. Someone like, had to be the first. 
Exactly. It's crazy. <laughs> and then I met Josh and, and like I, I interviewed a couple directors and but I just had this, you know, feeling about Josh because two people recommended him that didn't know each other and like I met Josh. He read Lunch Ladies. He's like, I, oh, I totally want to do Lunch Ladies. Horror fans will lose their shit for this. I really want to do this. And I'm like, you think we, you, you think we can do it? He's like, yeah. So that's like how it came to fruition. And I, you know, so. It was like all, all of the things that the other director kept telling her were going to be the hardest things to find. We're like, no, I'm not worried about that. No, like the, the, finding the location. That part I'm worried about. Yeah, that part. Sure. Like, like, you know, Gore, special I effects. I spent, I spent 15 like, years oh. in makeup effects. So, you know, we can we can do this. This is and uh, yeah. Wow. Yes, that's how we met. Yeah, that's how we met and then put it together and yeah, what it is, was just a lucky what, thing. One of the things that we really loved about the film is the attention to detail in it is fantastic. That was one of the first things Gordon said to me when he said, "Watch this, it's amazing, and look for the little things." And so <laughs> many just references and little details in the corners. You packed this film. Thank you. Thank you. Well, you know, we had an amazing team of people that like, you know, took ideas that we came up with and just populated it. It was an amazing, like just creative output from all of these different people that we that we found like some just super randomly. And we went through a bunch of different production designers that, you know, people would commit and then bail and commit and then bail. And the people that we found were like they were the people. They were the ones that were supposed to do it. So the other people dropping out was like the best thing that ever happened so you know all these people just came together to this one idea and just filled it with their minds it was really really cool it's one of the best creative experiences i've ever had yeah me too i mean it just was like i, I would just meditate on it because i was like it was my first film i was so freaked out that i wouldn't find the right people and we went our first when our set designer the first guy that we had it was kind of kind of a jerk he, when he quit he quit like one week before and he hadn't done any work and i was like freaking out and i just started calling people and calling people we had this husband and wife team come in, Alicia and Rejo, and in one week, I, I mean, just the insane amount of detail and things they came up with. And Josh had this brilliant idea to make it like have this um, Russian theme. I was going to ask about that. Yeah, yeah, because we had a uh, Josh tell him about like how we first found the first school, and then they they told us we couldn't shoot there, and then we found us we wanted it like a John Hughes type school. Uh-huh. But, but when that fell through, and it was really hard to find a school, I called like 120 schools. And oh my gosh. I'm not exaggerating. And would, yeah, when she says she called every school in Los Angeles, she's not actually like, that's that's not hyperbolic. That is exactly what she did. Exactly. And then Josh's friend told, told him about a Catholic school um, in the hood, and they let us shoot there. And then Josh had to change the whole idea because we couldn't have like this really slick John Hughes type school. So Josh came up with this fantastic idea to do like a Russian Eastern Bloc theme. And those set designers came in with just amazing ideas. And he, he was really nervous too, because we only had one week and he met him and within five minutes, he's like, oh my God, these guys are- incredible. We had less than a week. They, we, I, I had my first meeting with them the morning of like, it was like Wednesday morning and we were shooting on Saturday. Wow. Yeah. It was like- <laughs> the amount of work that they were able to get done. And like, you know, I just gave them a bunch of ideas and like a lookbook of stuff that I thought it should sort of look like. And, you know, I wanted to do, um, uh, like uh, propaganda posters because you know that was kind of where that was that was my first kind of latch into, into the design and color scheme and stuff that, that I was hoping to get mm-hmm. and so I sent them a bunch of um, a bunch of Russian propaganda posters like from the 1950s and 40s Cold War era stuff and so I sent them this like big package of, of stuff and then I met with them the next morning 
and he the Ray had already designed a bunch of propaganda posters. And I was like, oh, wow, these are great. This is exactly what I'm talking about. And he's like, but it turned out he never even got my email. He didn't know <laughs> what? That, oh, wow. that, that's, that I had sent him a bunch of propaganda posters. And then as soon as he saw the posters, it was like he'd already done it. Like he just knew exactly that what to do. crazy. How cool is that? Wow. <laughs> yeah. We had, we had just, so, it's so many instances of stuff like that on this movie that like, you know, the right place at the right time with the right people. And it was just like it, it was so much fun. Like there was almost no stress involved once we got rolling. Yeah, I mean, it was hard to do, but just everybody, like, just let everybody do their job, and everybody was really good at their job. And I would just meditate, but just every night meditate, <laughs> bring the right people in, bring the right people in. I mean, like, Daisy, who is our cheerleader, just, you know, she didn't get her work permit, like, the day of. Like, I just wow. was like, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. <laughs> We're going to have all the right things. We're going to get the car. The first car fell through. You know, it just was like everything. We just went with it, and Josh and I work really similarly in terms of, like, prepping so we prepped for many many months and we were both i think maybe we only had disagreements on maybe two things throughout the whole thing about how we yeah. wanted to do it you know so yeah and if and if we did disagree it was always easy to find a resolution right yeah sure. we always just went with a better idea i was like this is a better idea that's a better idea we just worked really well together it was, it's great yeah oh. so i really appreciated the score that you, that you oh. put me on the movie Josh told him this. Oh yeah. man, we lucked out with that. That's all Josh is doing, finding the guy and everything. Well, well it, I mean, it's, it all, it's all Tony's. <laughs> Tony's doing. Anthony on I March. Mean, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Just the, I, I mean, it was a really kind of random thing. Like, you know, I, I work with a lot of composers, and um, the guy that had scored my last feature was wasn't available for this, and uh, and also. You know the the tone of the score is incredibly complex, and for you know we I I tempt against so many different types of music, trying to figure out what the tone was, and the only tone that absolutely fit. I did I didn't even go into it imagining this, but you know when I got into the editing room and I'm looking for a temp score, um, Danny Elfman like. 1988 to 1991 was kind of the only tone that fit. <laughs> and so, you know, I tempted it with the music that worked and the whole time going, I don't know how we're going to do this. I don't know how this is going to happen. But, um, but you know, I just kind of I had faith in the project. And so this the composer that I went to said uh, he'd look around and try and find someone that was available. And after six or seven people, this guy, Tony, popped up. He's 23, was 23 years old in Spain. And... He just he just got it right away. He wrote the whole score in about five weeks, and then we recorded it in two hours with the orchestra in Budapest. Wow! Jeez, two hours—that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> More meditation because I was freaking out about the score too. Because music means everything to your film. It's like sure. you can make or break it. And Josh worked really hard with them too, getting everything right. And it's just—it's perfect. It's just perfect. So oh. thankful for it. Well yeah. done again. Very well done. Thanks for calling that out. I, I agree. I really love our score. Cool, cool. Yeah, I I, I really pay attention to the uh, the way a film sounds and to the film's music, and, and that you guys really nailed it. So, so one of the things in putting together a film festival like this is that you see a lot of examples of people putting something on the screen by any means necessary. So they're they're shooting on the weekends in an alley and they're using their apartment <laughs> and they're, they're, you know, they're doing stop motion animation by hand and all this stuff. And I got the feeling that the end of the film is a perfect example of guerrilla filmmaking. 
<laughs> well, that came up with um, actually Shana Weber had that idea because it, it, and when I wrote the script, they go to the concert. Uh-huh. But I was I'd already spent all my money. Like right. I didn't have that much money left, and, and so like I just thought it was a brilliant idea because she was like, "Why don't you guys do like an Instagram type thing?" <laughs> yeah, and I was like, "That's Absolutely. that's so fucking great!" It like totally makes sense because they would totally do Snapchat, Instagram, those crazy lunch ladies. Yes. And then Eric Reagan found a spot. He's our line producer. And then Josh did it real clever with like how he did like some Instagram shots, some video shots, and we knocked it out in like two, like an hour and a half, two hours. I mean, I don't was it even two, two hours, Josh? I, I mean, we just knocked out I, the last. I really think fast. it was because of traffic, but uh, outside of that, it really was like it just it went it all went so fast. And then we just jumped over to Hollywood and did the did the rest of the um, oh yeah you know, to, to put them in, to put them in the place. You guys are fucking baller. I'm just saying it. That is the best ever. I love it. Oh, it's so good. The principal voiceover, is that the dude who played Otho in Beetlejuice? No, you know what? That's my really good friend. He's an incredible writer, my friend Chris Fickley. So what we did was like, I just populated the whole film, as much of the film as I could with the most talented people I know. And those are all my friends. And I told Josh, I go, I want Chris to play principal Ghost Fetic because he's got the freaking best voice. And he just, you know, and, and the script his head's cut off, and just like, and Josh was like totally down. And then Josh found Mary, um, who he knew Mary, who plays the other lunch lady, and I knew Donna. But yeah, he's just a, he was a friend of mine, and has done some acting. And I just that's a hilarious pull though to go to Otho for Pete. <laughs> I can totally exactly see why like you think that. There was actual serious discussion among film geeks, filmmakers at the fest, and the consensus was that's who you used. Like, <laughs> People who well, know their I, shit, that I, they I think that's what you did. the legend to live on. <laughs> <laughs> but Chris did such an amazing job; it'd be it would be sad for him to not get credit for it. Well, it's a really that's a really funny idea. And he Absolutely. was sick too. Remember, he was like deathly sick. That oh, week. he was so sick. <laughs> he was just like, oh, I can't do it. But it was interesting the way you <laughs> shot it. You never see his face really, and so mm-hmm. that added to the mystique that it was a voiceover and not the actor himself doing his own voice. Right, 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 right. Interesting. Anyway. Wonderful film. You guys did thank an amazing you. job on this short. We absolutely love it. And thank you for sharing your work with the Bone Bad Show. Thank hey, you for having us. I wish we'd been there. Yeah. It was awesome. <laughs> right, we just, I heard so too. much good stuff. Maybe for the next the one, right, guys? Oh, absolutely. God, awesome. So what are you yeah. working on next on that subject? Josh, you want to go first? I'm doing all kinds of stuff. I've got a bunch of stuff in development. Uh, I've got a... Uh, a kind of a more straight horror um, web series that I'm developing, and then um, also an anthology series uh, about kind of life as seen through technology, sort of Black Mirror-ish, but not as dark. I've got a, my documentary feature that I produced called The Disunited States of America is playing at the Bentonville Film Festival in a couple of weeks, along with Lunch Ladies, so oh, it's nice. really pretty. so weird. Oh, yeah. Wow. Like, yeah. We, we, we got our acceptance letters at the same time. <laughs> it was really cool. So I'm definitely going for that. Congrats. Um, and uh, yeah, so yeah, yeah, staying busy and, and uh, just look always looking to the next thing. I'm trying to get the feature made. So that's why I made the short so that we can all come back with this amazing cast and crew that I love so much and we can actually get paid to do it. <laughs> so I'm, I'm trying to get the feature made. And then I have a couple other scripts that are... I, uh, a film called Stella by Starlight that just got option and hopefully we're going to get that done in Oklahoma and then I've got another two films um, that I'm working on with a director that I hope that he can um, maybe do those and um, writing another film with 
my friend Shana Weber. I'm in this amazing writing class, and so we just keep writing and writing and writing. So, yeah. All right. That and spending hours of your day promoting. <laughs> yeah, I spent a lot of time for place. But that's because, Josh, we ha- you have to come back and direct it, and we have to do it again. <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm down. Let's do it. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, and thank you for the pencils and the hairnets and the buttons. You guys oh, sent the most welcome. awesome swag. Oh, yeah. And our audience just loved it. It was great oh, seeing good. people in the awesome. hairnets. That's yeah. awesome. Good, 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 good. No, I love doing that. I love doing it. Especially the hairnets, which I think everybody thinks is condoms, because those go right away. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> Those, that wasn't a condom? Uh-oh. No! <laughs> Not super effective for that, Gord. That explains a lot. Oh, man. Oh, man. All right, guys. Well, uh, one last question we always ask all of our guests here on the Bone Bat Show. Josh, Clarissa, what pisses you off? Well, what pisses me off are inauthentic people and people that are <laughs> acting... <laughs> As a matter of fact, Josh and I will sometimes go to, uh, we'll like, we'll be at a film fest or something and we meet a ton of cool people and then you'll meet those, you know, some of those people that are just completely inauthentic and don't really care about your project or anybody else's projects except their own and and uh, we'll look at each other and be like, ooh. <laughs> you know, so yeah, I would say that. I, I just like, you know, even I just like authentic people, like completely authentic people. Fortunately, there's a lot of people like that in the in the kind of festival world that we've met, filmmakers and uh, other artists that we've dealt with. We've been pretty darn lucky, I gotta say. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What about you, Josh? <laughs> you know, just as a, as a prime example about how Clarissa and I are arts so think along the same lines at the same time. I was actually gonna. I, that was exactly what I. Were you for. really? Because <laughs> we had exactly, experience like that together. We had I was. <laughs> and so I don't know why we both connected to that experience when you asked us one just as often, but we both thought of the same thing. And, you know, I think that she said it a little bit more elegantly than I did. But I think the thing that annoys me more than anything else in that regard is is people that think that their, that their film is important. Yeah! And... <laughs> And I will tell you right now, no matter who you are, except maybe like, you know, six absolutely brilliant documentary filmmakers on earth, your film is not important. Your <laughs> film should be entertaining. It should be fun. The audience should be should be moved in one way or another, whatever your intent is. But the, the when we go around to these festivals and we talk to all these people and you ask them about their film and they don't ask you about yours because... Well, why would they ask you about yours when, you know, theirs is so amazing, that should be enough. Like, you know, they they almost like refuse to bond as filmmakers with you just be like, hey, we're at a festival, this is cool, isn't this great? And they're like, yeah, my movie's really important. They're competitive. And, um, they're super competitive. Yeah, it's like, come on, man, we're just like, we're just making movies this is supposed to be fun we're supposed to have fun and be grateful for being here and be grateful that we're all here like being able to experience this together and and uh it just gets under my skin me too i can I tell you tell them a funny story about clermont ferran so when clermont we got in um which has been such an incredible experience so clermont ferran is like the top one of the top short film festivals in the world like getting in it is like getting in freaking sundance like it's really hard to get in. i mean i think we had a snowball's chance in hell but I got this amazing like email from them, and, and, and we've had such a ride with them. They took us to another fest, but they said, "Listen, you know, you were shortlisted for the competitive section, 
We're not going to put you in the competitive section. We feel really bad about that. But would you be willing to be in the Tula Tabla section, which is about food? And I was like, my response was like, oh, my God, that's so incredible. I'm so excited. I'm so happy. Yes, yes. Sure, we're a little disappointed we're not in the competitive section. But who cares? We get to be seen. Who cares, right? Sure, yeah. They, they told me that they were so relieved and so happy at my reaction. Because that's not normally the reaction they get, I guess. Wow. Oh, we're not in competition. Well, that's not even worth it then. Like, yeah. come on, man. We're going to play your movie 10 times in France. Like, <laughs> and yeah, that's I what know. they did. They played our block 10 times. 10 times, and then took us to, to La Crete. Uh, they just took us to another fest. But, like, that's what I mean where people, like, they're inauthentic and competitive, and they don't see the big picture of, hey, you're your film is going to be seen. That's why you made it. Who cares? I mean, sure, it's nice to win an award. Sure, but like, that was so mind-blowing to me. They were just like, they were laughing because they were like, you were so happy. I was like, fuck yeah, I'm happy. (laughs) Well, now you know going forward, when you run into those people, you can shut them down. You just go, well, have you ever won an award from Bone Bat? Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Well, thank you again for sharing your wonderful film with us. We thoroughly love Lunch Ladies. Our audience loved it, as evidenced by the award. And uh, congrats again on the big win. It's a lot of fun for us to be able to bestow that to you. Yay, we're super excited. I can't wait to update. I am <laughs> Thanks so much for having everybody us. know. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you. Thanks, guys.
This is Clarissa Jacobson of Lunch Ladies. And this is Josh Logan of Lunch Ladies, and you're listening to The Bone Bat Show. All right, we are back, and joining us now is none other than one of my favorite shorts directors, Chris McEnroy, director of this year's incredible film, We Summoned a Demon. How you doing, man? Good. Thanks for having me, guys. Thank you so much for joining hey, us Thanks for uh, being in our fest and on yep. our podcast. I appreciate it, man. On our fest many times, uh, of course, we also screened your previous works, Bad Guy Number 2, <laughs> which I, I still claim is the heavyweight champion of gore. There is so much liquid in that film. It just makes me so happy. I love that flick. And then you followed it up. I'm a big metalhead. You followed it up with death metal. So, you know, I'm just a big fan of your entire uh, body of work, man. Thank you. So the reason we wanted to have you on the show is that uh, we discussed it amongst ourselves, and we have decided to give you this year's Bone Bat Jumbo Bonus Jury Award, which uh, is an award that we pick something that, that really, for us, defines giggles and gore and what we do. And uh, in addition to, you'll get a trophy and a hundred bucks to put towards your next film. I know it's not a lot, but uh, it's something that we can give you to give a little bit back because you do so much to make our fest great. Dude, that's amazing. You can Thank use you. it to buy some blood. Hell yeah. <laughs> use it to buy some blood, mix in some water. We'll make a lot of blood out of that. Nice. Thank you, guys. That's cool. Oh, thank you, man. I love your yeah, work. Yeah, you bet. So. It, it's much coveted, and uh, and we really feel like what you do has a real vibe with what, what we do, what we really enjoy. So it's been a lot of fun showing your films, and it's so it's, it's a lot of fun to be able to uh, give you this award, which is basically just Steve and me going, yes, more of this now, please. <laughs> oh, man, I hope so. I I mean, this is the type of stuff I love to make, so I'm going to just keep on doing it, you know? Whether it's in short form or long form. So do you think you have a feature in your future? Well, I don't know. Do you do you have a long form, and do you have the ability to get a super tanker because you're going to need that to store the amount of blood in a feature film? There, may not, like... there may not be enough blood in the world for a Garth Manor feature. I'm just saying. Oh, I hope. Yeah, there will be, because there will be blood. <laughs> Yes, uh, I've got some ideas for features for sure. The first one I want to make coming out of the gate, hopefully, is a werewolf movie. That's uh, you know, it's a horror comedy, practical effects, uh, creatures built from scratch, lots of gore. I guess it'd be similar to the three things I've made in tone, where it's you know, th the characters play it pretty seriously, but what's going on is just ridiculous. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, God, keep us in mind as if that project moves forward. If you like get to a point where you have a uh, Indiegogo, a Kickstarter, whatever, please let us know so we can help you out with uh, you know getting the word out. Oh hell yeah, I appreciate that. So what's next for you, man? So I'm working on a, a segment for a horror anthology. The horror anthology is called Scare Package. It basically has like eight directors doing segments. And each director is taking on a, a horror trope and uh, making a short film about that. And then they'll shoot a rapper story that combines everything together in some way. But um, um, they're all horror comedies, which will be interesting, I think. And uh, mine is called One Time in the Woods. It's about all the crazy shit that happens in the woods in horror films. So we've got like transformation. We've got slasher. We've got teenage campers. 
We've got an eclipse going on for no reason. But we're shooting that actually at the end Solar of June. Solar or lunar? Uh, lunar. Trying to keep my eclipses straight. That's that's cool. So scare package. Scare package is the name we of gotta, the We got to look for that. Absolutely. That sounds perfect for this fest. As far as we know, we're the only dedicated comedy horror film festival in the world. We've yet to be they proven wrong on this. So. So with uh, you know our ninth edition coming up next year, we'll have to keep an eye out for Scare Package, absolutely. Yeah, especially it's horror comedy. Yeah, you guys got it right in your name. It's perfect. <laughs> all right, man. Well, uh, one last question we always ask all of our guests on the show. Chris, what pisses you off, man? Oh, man. Jerks. Jerks really piss me off. <laughs> I was just thinking of that because I was on an air, uh, airport this morning and there was some, uh, it was like, I don't know, seven in the morning and there was some drunk guy behind me in line just just talking shit about all his friends and how he's going to kick their ass and I was just sitting there like, man, this guy's a jerk and I don't really like him and I, and I wish he wasn't behind me. And that pissed me off. <laughs> Sometimes it's the little things that piss us off. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, this is the most recent thing I could think of. I'm sure I've got more stuff. All right, man. Well, thank you again for joining us on the show and for sharing your great work with us. Hell yeah, anytime. Thank you guys for playing it. And thanks for the award.
Hey, this is Chris McEnroy, director of Death Metal, Bad Guy Number 2, and We Summon a Demon, and you're listening to The Bone Bat Show. Hey, Gord, want to do a brief multimedia triage? Steve, I would like nothing better than to do a brief multimedia triage. What have you been um, digging on? Steve, I've been watching some cool music, and not just the music that was in our film fest. I watched uh, March 4th do a, do a show in Sonoma County on 420, and it was <laughs> it was bonkers. March 4th is such a fun band anyway. So who is March 4th? I'm not familiar Mar- with this band. March 4th is a, uh, it's a marching band. They've got a horn section. They've got an electric bass, electric guitar, bunch of drummers, and they do essentially, you know, marching band music. Though they're up on a stage, they don't do a lot of marching themselves, but all just great musicians, and it's a really really diverse group of people at the show into this there are there are elderly people with gray hair there are young hipsters with purple hair uh there is everybody in between it's funny the friends i went with i didn't even know that they would like this kind of music i dig it because i really like a good strong horn section and, and drums but the one couple really they're more into like kind of folksy festival some guy whining over a mandolin kind of music <laughs> and then uh an- another friend has a real adventurous taste so he could be in anything but i was surprised and it was so good and they've also got acrobats they've got a great stage show that goes on and it was in a small place so there's you know freaking 15 people on the stage and you've got stilt walkers and Tyrannosaurus Rex and magicians and sword swallowers and everything going on all around. It was bananas. So March 4th, you should definitely check them out, check out their music and check out their live show if you can. And because they're such a big band, I'm sure they make like $1.50 a piece when it's all said and done from each concert. So they're constantly touring to try to support their music habit. Sounds like a brownout. You got like exactly. yeah. 10 people on the stage. Yeah, you go lie. All right, you guys made you know five hundred bucks from this gig. Uh, divided among the twenty of you. Oh well. But I've been. Don't worry. Mostly I've been holed up in my cave. I watched Westworld, season two, episode one of Westworld. Yeah, and what the, what the fuck was that? I mean, I'm happy they're already messing with the the timeline, yeah, and I already like don't know what's going on. Three timelines. 17 Bernards. I don't know what the fuck is going on with that show. Between that and Legion, I don't know if I'm coming or going. Yeah, I don't know really. Shit should or go, go blind? blind. Yeah. Yeah. But, the and it's fun. I, I like it so far. I'm, I'm okay with not knowing what the hell I'm watching. Can I just have I'm, a show that fucking has a straightforward linear narrative like Ash versus Evil Dead? Yes. Wait, what? <laughs> oh wait, that's being canceled. Fuck. Yeah. Also, there's time travel and multiple ashes. So, how about Lost in Space? Lost in Space was fun. I enjoyed it. I I wasn't sure what to expect. I sort of expected it to be a little more humor in it. It's pretty straightforward and uh, earnest, but uh, it was still a good show. There's a lot of great action set pieces and. Uh, Parker Posey is Dr. Smith, man. You just hate her. Oh, my God. Okay, so I only watched episode one, and I found it to be so cheesy and laughably bad in places. I was not planning on watching episode two, even though I love Parker Posey. Oh, we finished it. 
You finished the whole series. You watched the whole season, yeah. And actually, Julie liked it more than I did. Huh. I was watching it with a uh, 14-year-old kid, and he was actually thinking that it was way too cheesy. And and uh, he's like, you know, we're, we're laughing, making up the most cheesy possible ways they could get the person out of the ice. Okay, spoiler alert, one of the major characters gets frozen in ice, and they rescue her by the time the episode is over. But... My kid goes, how about this? The robot holds out his hand and like lasers come out and it melts the ice. And he does the, you know, the the motion of the holds his hand up and points fingers down. Sure as shit that happened like 10 minutes later. We laughed our asses off. Oh, and that wasn't the only thing that was predictable. <laughs> I, I have to say, I don't want to just piss all over this show. I am. I'm pissing all over it. I don't want to just it. piss all over the show. Piss, but, piss, piss. But... I predicted the next line like two dozen times. <laughs> like we're watching the show and somebody would say something and I would go, that's what she said. And then the character would say that. Like the writing was so unoriginal that I was just calling out lines and they kept saying them. That kind of bugged me. Yeah, it's yeah, like you try surprised. a little harder to get good lines. I, you know, I mean, I'm in a family. <laughs> I've got kids. So I guess we all say some of those lines. So... I guess it's realistic, but, you know, it doesn't have to be that obvious. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm glad you enjoyed it. Maybe I'll give it a, a second. It was all right. It look, wasn't. But... Yeah, it wasn't awesome, but it was all right. We, we we were tired after the film festival and we knocked it out in a couple of nights. So. so on Sunday, yesterday, we're recording this on a Monday for people who want really boring details about how we make our show. Sunday, I was this this Mongolian death flu that I've got really got me and I was pretty much just laying down in front of the TV every once in a while I would sit up and fold a little bit of laundry and then lay back down and watch whatever was on the screen I watched a movie which you hated without even watching it and I'm not even sure if you've ever seen it and it still <laughs> flummoxes me I watched Atomic Blonde again did you ever watch that yeah it was okay uh, okay god damn yeah, it was just it was uh, I don't know I don't know. I don't know what it was about that film that I thought could have been better. It was a paint-by-numbers spy movie to me. It was from a graphic novel. So many scenes were beautifully framed and shot. Yeah, there was that long, definitely like... Definitely more style than substance. It was all style. Oh, it was a love... was negligible. Well, no, there, she was a triple agent. It had the twist and the twist with the twist, but, you know, it wasn't that surprising. <laughs> right. I don't know. Maybe as I was laying there in my fever dream, I'd ascribed far too much hatred from you to that movie. But I kept thinking, like, how could Steve not like this fight scene in the stairwell? How could Steve not like this this chase? How could Steve not like this shot? How could <laughs> yeah. Steve not like beautiful naked women? I you put I don't way, know. Too, way too much Steve based thought in your review. <laughs> I can't get you out of my head, man. Yeah, I know it's hard. Yeah, God. I spent like a long yeah, no, weekend it was, with it was just still okay. in there. I, I didn't. I waited until it came on, you know, cable, and I could watch pay per view. I didn't go see it in a the theater just because I sort of had a vibe about it. And there was, it was there a was, lot. It was a like '80s movie too. You like '80s movies? Yeah, I don't know. I just yeah left me cold. All right. Maybe it was the blue filter all over everything. I'm not sure. It was a <laughs> it was a turquoise filter. First why of all, the, why does the whole film look like it was filmed in a Russian dance club? Because it was the 80s and everything looked like that. <laughs> it was all turquoise and pink. Don't you remember? Well, that's what Miami Vice looked like. I don't remember right. like high school looking like that. 
No, you, you ask like your grandparents what the world looked like, and they'll tell you the world was, was black and white, and some parts of it were sepia tone. <laughs> and then you, you talk to your parents, and they're like, yeah, it was black and whitish, but then we got that really, that technicolor. The world began to get a little overexposed, but at least we had blues and greens and whatnot. And you don't remember high school was, was all turquoise and pink. You know what? This was a, uh, I don't know, it was much to look at, but uh, a great sound design film. How about A Quiet Place, Gordon? I wanted to see that, but unfortunately, I was hacking and sniffing and sneezing, and I thought I would be the biggest asshole in the theater if I watched that in a movie that advertising, like, don't eat popcorn during this movie because everyone will hear you. Like, how about don't have a cold during this movie? Yeah, no, you you could eat popcorn, but you got to wait until the parts where it gets loud. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah that, that, that movie was pop blocking me. <laughs> so, but it's a totally, really entertaining film. As you probably have seen the trailers, this family is in a world where... There are these giant monsters that kill you if they hear you. They'll hunt you down and kill you immediately. So this family is trying to be as silent as possible. And uh, there's some interesting twist to it. The oldest daughter is deaf. So part of the thing is it's kind of post-technology. The dad, John Krasinski, is trying to come up with a hearing aid for her. So there's a couple of creepy scenes where, like, the monster's right behind her and she can't hear it. Oh, that's kind true. Of yeah, it's kind of disturbing. Uh, really cool stuff. Uh, fun movie. And it's interesting that, like, some of the most original horror movies that are coming out right now are coming from, like, TV guys. Jordan Peele with Get Out. And uh, the guy from The Office is doing A Quiet Place. I'd like to see more of that. It's pretty cool. Vain to mine, I think. Yeah. That's, that's cool. I look forward to being healthy enough to watch this or being good enough in this life so if this disease kills me, I'll get to watch it in heaven. <laughs> there you go. I also saw the uh, film Cock Blockers, or Blockers as they're calling blockers, it. Blockers, yes. But there's a big rooster on the poster, so you it's know not what chicken they're blockers. saying. I know yeah. what they're saying. We all and, know. Uh, entertaining comedy. Surprisingly, I think, geared towards women, which was kind of cool. So, entertaining movie. See it. Really? All right. John Cena is in it, and he's awesome in the movie, by the way. All right. I, I saw the previews where they were doing a, a beer bong in the butt. Yeah, that's sort of like the, the low comedy set piece of the thing, but that's not what's good about the film. The okay. film is the relationships with the daughter. So the, the, the plot is this. Uh, three girls uh, make a pact to lose their virginity on prom night, and the parents find out about it and try to stop them. Hilarity ensues. And it was actually surprisingly funny. All right. And, uh, oh, other things that were cool. They just opened up in Seattle at the Mopop Museum, formerly EMP, a Marvel Universe exhibit, which we went and saw on Saturday. And that was super fun. Uh, They've got costumes from all the Marvel movies. They've got a bunch of statues. I got my picture taken with the thing. That was kind of fun. But the really cool thing for me as a comic fan was seeing the original art from some of, like, these classic, like, the death of Gwen Stacy was there on the wall, the original pencils and inks. Cut wow, out, that's pretty cool. Together. That was fucking cool. As a comic fan, wow. Yeah. And it was page after page. It was like great big covers, like the original covers of Captain America and Iron Man and the Inhumans. Just really neat comic art on the walls in the original black and white. So 
If you are in Seattle, go check that out. That was a lot of fun. And that's all I got. Okay. Well, hey, how about we do some thank yous and uh, get out of here, man. Yeah, you can have some cold medicine and get some rest, buddy. Oh, man, I can't wait. All right. uh, I'm going to get zonked out on cold medicine. Thank yous. uh, This episode, of course, we'd like to thank Arm Sarkeesian from Winston. We'd like to thank Clarissa Jacobson, uh, producer, and Josh Logan, director of Lunch Ladies. We'd like to thank Chris McEnroy of We Summoned a Demon. And we'd like to thank uh, Justin Robert Vinal for Emiko for joining us on the show. Uh, also, we would like to thank, uh, in addition to them, uh, some of the visiting dignitaries who came all the way from out of town to visit our film festival. Dimitra Papadinas, the director of Ducko, was there. Uh, Chris Wyatt from The Party, he is a local director, but he joined us. And Zoran Gavoyich, who came all the way up from L.A. again. It was great to see him and have breakfast with him. Always, always a good time. Low-carb comedy has been putting up films for us to show for a long time now. And uh, coming to an end of the Monsters of Science series, it's a little bit sad, but I can't wait to see what he does next. Uh, but, you know, anytime I'm sad, I just watch The Fourth Rule of Gremlins. The Fourth Rule of Gremlins. If you and then I'm happy short, again. Go watch that now. It's one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, and, and we've seen some funny things. Yeah, and I'd like to thank once again uh, Lowell Dean, director of Another Wolf Cop and Emerson Ziffel, who did the effects on that film, for coming all the way down to Seattle to do a quick Q&A. And they got back in the car and they took off immediately after. So uh, I didn't even get to get a picture with those guys. That sucks. But uh, thank you so much for taking the time to come down and uh, spend some time with us at the film festival. It was an honor. Uh, sponsors, we should thank them. We should course. definitely thank our sponsors. I'll start out with Scarecrow Video. Uh, Fanographics Books. Corner Comics. Mac and Jacks. Zippy's Giant Burgers. They are giant stalker farms. They are stalkers. Vortex Video. Street Books of Austin, Texas. Pathfinder Games. Belladonna Magazine. Dolcetta Artisan Suites. Pork Magazine. Flying Saucer Pizza. GT Printing Equipment. And Jerry Cooch. And of course, thank you to Sif Uptown Cinema for being such gracious hosts for this year's fest. Thanks again to Mike Hawkins for the amazing art, which festoons our T-shirts, hoodies, and mugs. Uh, we Does st- it really festoon them? It festoons I need to them. get some more festoons. We still have a few shirts left in varying sizes. You'll find a link through the Bone Bat page uh, if you're interested or if you didn't get a shirt. That can happen. Uh, also, uh, I'd like to thank uh, all the backers and attendees for making this happen. We couldn't do it without you. Uh, You make it all wonderful, and uh, it's great to see a lot of you every year supporting this crazy fest and uh, having such a fun time doing it. So uh, thank you again. And also thank you to all the filmmakers whose work makes this possible and Devilwood for doing a wonderful job at this year's fest. Indeed. Our usual bullshit. The show phone number is 425-296-6557, or you can reach the show via email to steve at bonehand.com. We have new content on bonehand.com every once in a while. It's also the home of the heavy half hour. And you can find my stuff on mightywombat.com. Good stuff. I do cartoons. We like cartoons. Yeah, me too. 
why I do them. You can follow me over on Twitter. I'm Bonehand over there. We also have a Bonebat Twitter feed where we post uh, information about the show and our various festival news. Uh, we also have a Facebook group, which is really where you should hang out during the off-season for jokes, uh, CDs, music videos, good deals on video games, anything that crosses our windscreen uh, we put there. That's a good place Our windscreen. <laughs> yeah. I just, and I put just basically silly crap up there. Steve, Steve does the series promotional. Hey, check this out stuff. Uh, yeah, dick jokes galore. <laughs> just like in the song. Yep, just like it. Thank you again for listening. If you like what we do, please spread the word and tell a friend. Why don't we close the show with one last song from Devilwood? I hope you enjoy it. Once again, I'm Steve. This is Gord. Have a good one. I have a diseased one.
ladies and gentlemen. Put your hands together for Kevin Hillary. I don't know whether to shit Should or go, go blind. blind. Yeah. <laughs>